0: welcome to the gridiron show we are taping this on a thursday afternoon we are now one week out from the draft ollie connolly here alongside cy clancy cy how are you
1: i'm good ollie how are you
0: i'm doing good so a week in the rearview mirror we've allowed it to kind of sit and rest a little bit which i actually enjoy doing because I, I feel like you know after the draft i did i think i wrote forty thousand words people <laughs> can go and read of an analysis on the read optional that first night and then rounds two and three as well pick by pick players scheme scheme fit all that nerdy good stuff you can read that on the read optional we'll link it in the description and the big thing for me is always like how the puzzle fits together because you come away from night one and i'm like well i'm not sure i love what atlanta did that doesn't make a lot of sense to the grand scheme and then desmond ridder falls into our laps in the third round great value and you say okay this jigsaw makes a bit more sense what were your kind of general
1: takeaways thoughts from yeah, i just thought it was I, I thought it was very much like we um I thought it was very much like we predicted in a way in that there was so much mystery and intrigue, which I found fascinating. You know, we didn't know who the first pick was going to be. I mean, I can remember three, four, five, six years ago when you kind of almost knew that the first four picks and it was kind of like that takes away all the excitement, all the intrigue. The fact that even when, you know, teams, were on, when the Jags went on the clock, you still weren't 100% sure who the pick was going to be. Um, obviously, the A.J. Brown trade throws the great big grenade into the middle of it. But just, it was fascinating to see the, and we we talked about it, didn't we? We talked about the run of quarterbacks. What if, you know, what if we said 25 at Tennessee and the first quarterback went at 20 to to Pittsburgh and then none none afterwards? And we're going to get onto it, I know. But, you know, look at some of those quarterback situations. You think, you know, just taking Desmond Ridder there with Atlanta, you know, middle of round three, no pressure to start straight away. You know, it feels like a perfect perfect fit for him and uh, I just thought it was a really interesting night there were some teams I thought that did brilliantly across the three days and there were some teams that I just thought didn't get worse but just didn't really grasp the opportunity that they perhaps had and I look at someone like Green Bay for example you look at teams like Detroit trading up you know to get their man Jameson Williams and you just think "Did, did the Packers really close the window in the NFC in terms of just filling the specific needs that they had, which was clearly a wide receiver and probably a tight end with Bobby Tonyan coming off the uh off the Achilles injury. And they probably didn't. So it was uh, I just thought it was fascinating all the way around.
0: It was. I was really interested with obviously the trades has been a big discussion, the volume of chains, trades, a run on wide receivers, the league out of nowhere, in a 12-month span, deciding we value receivers now. We went through a 10-year run of receivers don't matter, man beat a concept. it's all scheme. You get a great one, cool, but never pay him. Because if you pay him, that wrecks the rest of the roster. So now everyone's like, pay receivers and throw draft picks at receivers. Let's move up in the draft to go get receivers. We're in the second year of our rebuild. And the most important thing we can do, we believe, is to trade up to get Jared Goff for a wide receiver. Uh, that was wild to me. And, and the big thing was something I think we discussed in the very last preview show of this teams getting very specific on we want our guy but we want our guy at our spot so we'll move to 16 but we're not moving to 12 we would never do that for Kenyon green but if he's there at 16 we'll take him it is really fascinating of and the degree to which teams are willing to work together it's like okay cool you go to there to get k walker and we'll go here to get uh you know obviously there was the burks deal fascinating that how in that first round to the top of the second round, they were all so set on this draft slot for this kind of player.
1: Mm. And I loved how, like I was reading Peter King on Monday, I loved how that trade came together between the Eagles and um, and the Titans in terms of the AJ Brown deal. And and knowing that, the you know, when they came on the clock or when the, the pick before came on the clock, that the, the contract still hadn't been finalised. you think, that's how... I mean, you know, they've been talking for 48 hours and the, and the deal was essentially um, the prerequisite was that there had to be a new contract sorted. But the fact that you are potentially 20 minutes away from missing out given that you know 10 minutes for the slot you know the previous team and then 10 minutes for your slot and they still hadn't sorted them, like, <laughs> the contract was just astonishing to me. It was um it was so interesting. But also, you know, you look at that contract and you know AJ Brown hundred million hundred million dollars or you know, whatever it is for on Burks over the, you know, it's essentially if you're taking the, the money as a whole, hundred million versus the three million, there's a ninety-seven million dollar difference in terms of in terms of contractually and and the space that that opens up for a team to be able to to be able to maneuver. And it's um it's fascinating the point you make about second contract wide receivers and. Um, You know, we talked in the offseason about would DK Metcalf get moved, would Terry McLaurin get moved, all these receivers. And you think, actually, you see teams that are are prepared to do that, prepared to just coach guys up for four years, turn them into superstars, and then not pay them because they know that the the draft is absolutely full of receivers year after year after year.
0: And yet the wild part about that is that makes sense in the abstract, right? Okay, we coach them up, squeeze as much value out as possible, then go and get more value from this great player by getting extra draft picks. Well, someone is on the other side of that exchange who's like, no, get me the ready-made player because our timeline is a little bit different. We've got a quarterback we're not so sure of, so we're going to surround Tua. We're going to sound Jalen Hurts with as much as possible to fail. And then if they fail, then we call Aaron Rodgers or we call whoever and we say, would you like to come and work with Devontae Smith and AJ Brown? It's like part recruiting tool, part insurance policy, part maybe our guy is good and we didn't give him the right ecosystem. The way the receiver market has changed is just unlike
1: anything, really. It's incredible, isn't it? And like you look at Tennessee and you think, okay, they they worked out the deal and they've saved the cash, but that's a huge amount of pressure on Traylon Burks all of a sudden to step into those shoes and for the offense to to move. And, you know, in terms of stacking the box against Derrick Henry, something that teams haven't necessarily done because, you know, you've got AJ you've got AJ Brown on the outside, you know, now you know, you're replacing him with a rookie who's still raw and route tree issues and those sorts of things. And you know, what's the knock-on effect for for that offense in terms of stylistically how it runs and how defenses attack uh, the Titans?
0: uh let's get into this then we're going to run through some of the crucial questions coming out of the draft we won't go pick by pick uh, i know that the lads covered that after the first round as i said go on the read optional and read a bazillion words all over the offseason about every single pig and scheme and all that kind of stuff i think the best place to start is always is the qbs because it was fascinating so kenny pickett goes 20th which immediately to me is if i was pittsburgh okay and i'm not going to slate the pick too much i know i've hammered pickett throughout the whole process i've said he stinks said he can't play I'll I'll give some more proper analysis in a moment rather than just uh, that kind of stuff. But if I'm Pittsburgh, and it was pretty clear throughout the whole process, right, that Pickett was their guy. If he was there, they would like a crack at Pickett. It was just whether or not he was there. They don't move up. They don't move down. We're Pittsburgh. That's that's how they run the draft, right? If he's there at 20, I am looking around the room going, everyone knows we like this guy. He's the one that is considered amongst most people, Carolina, those teams, as the one they would also like if they were going to take a guy in the first round. Why are they not jumping past us? Why are they not moving back into the yeah. first round? So there's all kinds of reasons I was not in on Kenny Pickett. But even just from that macro standpoint, if I'm the Steelers and I'm getting ready to make the pick, i like, why did no one else try and get in front of us?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, But also, I wonder what part of Kevin Colbert and, um, and Mike Tomlin sat there in the second round when they were on the clock thinking, Oops. <laughs> exactly. Oops is exactly it. You, know? you had your choice of linebackers, but still really good players on the board. You had a Jermaine Johnson falling. Yeah, uh, that would have been, a, um, that'd have been a dark few minutes for me, I think.
0: I think so too. I, I just look, the, the thing with Pickett to me is that they take him and the understanding from everyone who's briefed afterwards is they took him because they think he can play year one. And I'm not disputing that he can't necessarily play year one. But the thing with that's always stood out is, and I know I've said this a bunch throughout all this, so I apologize to people if I'm repeating myself, the two traits you need to play in the NFL. I love the off-script guys. Everyone loves the off-script guys. I think you do have to be able to move and create out of structure in, in the modern NFL. But at minimum, you have to throw with anticipation. You cannot be a see-it throw-it player in the NFL. And you have to be a great layer of the ball at the second level, over linebackers and in front of safeties. And you can only not do that if you are Russell Wilson, who is the most efficient deep ball thrower to play basically since Dan Marino by the stats. That that's how Special he is at that extra level where he can kind of avoid the middle part because of his height and his vision issues that he can just get away with. It. Otherwise, you become Baker Mayfield, where unless you're playing outside of the pocket, we see what happens this year. Things get constricted and it becomes a bit of a mess.
1: The thing I don't understand about Pickett is that they talk about him being a year one guy, but they've brought in a one year guy in Mitchell Trubisky. And is can he pick it any better than Trubisky? I mean, that, that's my big thing. I think Pickett's
0: best plays, I do not think he anticipates at all. I mean, I've I've posted videos ad nauseum of this issue, and I would. Really encourage people to go to the read optional because it's easier to show in video than it is necessarily discussed in a podcast. That we can get into that stuff if we wanted to. The anticipation is not there. I know Jeremiah flashed in his little card that he had anticipation. I was thinking, I just do not see that at all. He just does not. Basic things like throwing against the rotation of the defense, really, really simple stuff you have to be able to execute in the NFL. You would expect guys to execute in college. He just does not do. I think his best stuff is ad hoc. I think he's at his best, most exciting, most like, okay, this guy could be, you know, the Kenny Baller thing they were talking about last year at Pitt is because he bounces around, leaves the pocket, makes play, you know, off his feet. I don't want that from a six-year college guy. That's when you take Trubisky right after 12 starts to North Carolina and say arm strength can move. Leap it, let's just go take a chance. You don't do that with the sixth year player who should be able to know instantly okay, it's match three coverage, we're running dagger. This, the backside dig is going to fly open in the second window, easy. Hit my back foot, get it out. Instead, he panics, he resets, he gets swamped by the coverage, he move he, uh, by the pressure, he moves into pressure a ton. It's just like you said, the ad hoc guy who makes plays out of structure, one has to be a guy who's not played a ton of college football if you
1: taking that gamble. And secondarily,
0: they have that guy in the building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. There was was almost a part of me that just thought Pittsburgh were making up for the mistake that they made in 1983 when they passed on the local kids. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It was almost like, well, we're not going to make that mistake again. I think the logic I've come down to, as I've thought about it
0: more, and I did write this the the night of the draft, is we were saying, both of us before the draft, well, Colbert's leaving. He wouldn't just hamstring them with a crap player, basically, (laughs) frankly. But now I'm more like, I think they just threw a dart at the dartboard. And they're like, look, guys, I can eat that. If it goes wrong, I'll eat it. You guys can move on in two years. It's going to be a new GM. It's going to be Tomlin. And you guys can say it wasn't our guy. Kevin picked him. And they get out of it really easily if they want. And a part of trying to find a franchise guy is throwing as many darts at the dartboard and hoping for the best if you're not picking in the top five of the draft. So I think that's what they did. I think they just said, let's take one. doesn't work out. Two years. No problem. It's dead easy to move off off, uh, rookie quarterbacks these days. I think that was the decision. Um, The rest of the guys, then, what was your favourite quarterback to fit landing spot?
1: It's interesting because I I think in a way they've all landed in quite good places. Actually, I, you know, there's no pressure for any of them to start. I'm I'm really intrigued by the Sam Howell situation. Um, I do think he flies a little bit under the radar for me. I I just appreciated his what he did um, in terms of his ability, and I know you know he's not. Michael Vick, and he's not Damarino, Marino, but I think he does have a quality that, that I admire. Um, and I think he will be, he's mature enough to come in if Carson Wentz starts to, you know, if we look like the Carson Wentz at the back end of, of what we saw in the, you know, the tumultuous last few weeks at Indianapolis. I mean, I suppose the Desmond Ridder situation we talked about just a minute ago, but again, very interesting. I mean, the sort of dearth of receivers, dearth of sort of skill, position, talent would mean that you, you know, you'd almost want to let Marcus Mariota go to the Wolves, as it were. And, take uh, the bullets uh, for you. <laughs> yeah, But in a way, Ridder is so mature, both intellectually, physically. Um, in terms of his off-field stuff, in terms of his leadership, that actually probably isn't going to be a massive issue for... I think the gap for him coming into the gap team starting is actually probably smaller than everybody else just because of just what he has mentally. Um, And I think... I mean, the one I feel sorry for is Bailey Zappi in terms of, you know, the Patriots are really... I mean, the Patriots draft was all over the place, but... You know, when are you ever going to play? I just don't understand. You know, in San Francisco next year for a second round pick, exactly. Exactly. But I just kind of feel like, when are you ever going to? And you know, again, Malik Willis, absolutely no pressure to start first year. Can come in and learn. You know, whether that's learning alongside Ryan Tannehill or with Ryan Tannehill or in the darkness with Ryan Tannehill remains to be seen. Given Tannehill's comments yesterday, but um, you know, again, no pressure to start. Yet necessarily it allows Traylon Burks to bed in a little bit in terms of getting his feet under the table for a year. And if, you know, the Titans want to move on from Cannahill in a year's time, they can do without it ruining their um, financial situation in terms of the cap. And in comes Malik Willis, and, you know, he's got a year under his belt. So I, I think that all of them landed in situations where there's no immediate pressure. I thought it was interesting that, you know, a team like Detroit didn't take a quarterback. They, they you know, they stuck with what they've got, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, I think um, I, I'm intrigued by the Sam Howell situation because I do think that there's some um, there's some upside there.
0: I think Howell's the one that jumps out to me of like that would not be shocking given week four they just pulled oh. the plug on Wednesday. I know they gave up the picks and all that, but the Howell thing is purely about is this the 2020 player or is it the 2021 player? If he's 2020, he goes in the first round. He probably goes in that Pittsburgh spot, and then how does he go from what is probably the most gimmick based? offense in the power five yeah. maybe old miss maybe that one basically the same offense at this point how does that go up to professional concepts and how much has he done after he left north carolina to be advanced enough to walk into the training facility on day one and just get it or get it very quickly and i think if if he is a guy who will just get it at some point similar to baker mayfield came from that funky oklahoma offense came into an nfl building they're like oh he picked up way quicker than we expected he would do then I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be more accurate than Carson Wentz. And the only concern with that Washington offense is that's not a very big offense. Carson Wentz is not an accurate thrower of the ball. And so he's going to get himself into trouble. So that's one way if you, if you're trying to, Place bets now and who starts. Well, Pickett probably starts first, who starts second. I think Howell is the smart money and to get him in the fifth round as well is
1: know, extraordinary value. I mean, what I, what I like about how, and you talk about 2020 to 2021, you know, I, I think limited in 2021 by the graduation of those top five weapons. When you Every single player he, he, he's yeah, met, Diami yeah. you know, Brown, Michael Carter, Javonta Williams, you know, they were all gone, you know, and, and what he did, you, you know, he didn't set the world alight per se, but actually he was better, more efficient. And had a better pass rating in 2021 without all those weapons, and he was with them, um, which I thought was, you know, was kudos and credit to him for his, um, you know, for just getting it done without the, without the the, the weapons that he had. And I, I do think that if you can work into him, uh, you know, get him moving out of the pocket a little bit like Arthur Smith did with Ryan Ryan Tannehill, get him throwing on the move, all those sorts of things, the ability to utilize. Remember when Ryan Tannehill came back from that from the trade, and he had that really good first season where they just rolled him out all the time. Yes run pass options in terms of being out in the open space and he could either use his legs to run or, or to throw on the move, which he was very good at, you know, ta- um, Powell is so good with his legs you know I think he had the most uh 465 missed tackles in 2021 the most ever by a power five quarterback in a season you know can pick up significant chunks of yardage he's big he's t- you obviously don't want him taking hits all the time but he just has that ability to to, to just do those things make significant uh, yards with his legs uh, he's a gamer I like watching yeah. him play and I think he'll be um I think he'll be a really intriguing pick for for, for Washington
0: and the deep shots because it's like you know Carson Wentz when he steps into a well, he looks like a Hall of Famer. That's always the tantalizing thing with Carson Wentz, but Sam Howell throws a deep ball better than him, more consistently. Yeah, yeah. And I know they haven't got a ton of track stars there at Washington, but if you're, you've got Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, both who pepper the intermediate level, right? That's where they're at their best. Well, if you start getting um, double moves off that, or you can spring one because you stack them together and people don't know who, who to cover the most because they're scared of both Dotson and McLaurin, most likely, and one springs open down the field, I mean, it will just be bombs away.
1: You've I, got like, Diami Brown is there as well. You know, Old, his old college receiver. And actually, look at it. You've got Darby Brown, you've got Jahan Dotson. They picked up Jaquiz Ezard from Sam Houston State, who I think is a really good undrafted free agent and playing the slot. Obviously, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, obviously coming off the injury. I think there's talent there, and the receiver. You know, they had Brian Robinson to that uh, running back. Sorry, you had Brian Robinson to that running back room that's already got, you know, McKissick and Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, obviously at end. They had the Nevada kid, Cole Turner, as well. I think there's, there's talent there, and there's talent for somebody like a how to utilize.
0: I think so too. I I think they are almost looking at themselves thinking, well, we're cool with the trade value we gave up for Wentz, which I don't agree with, but I know Rivera said that publicly and I have no reason to doubt him because they never thought someone like Hal would be there in the fifth. You know, if they'd been told that pre draft, they'd be like, yeah, let's never do that trade, keep the second round pick and have Hal because uh, we've had Mark Bullock on the show before who covers them in, in tons of detail that they run one of the most creative run systems in the league by a mm-hmm. mile they what they don't have off that is a ton of quite clever play action stuff that flows from the same run actions it's quite obvious what, what they're running when they run the ball but it, it's really uh diverse in terms of what they run and Carson Wentz is not a good play action thrower; because he takes Perfect. too long to throw the ball whereas Sam Howell I think like you're saying he didn't get a ton of chance to do it in North Carolina because the system but him as a quick trigger Turn the back, get the ball back out. I think that's where he would thrive. So, marrying that run scheme with Howell is, would get me all sorts of excited when I walked into training camp. What was not going to get me excited is Carson Wentz taking five step drops and trying yeah. to throw
1: the ball down the field. I'm Scott Turner and Ken Zampese. I, I, that's all I'm looking at in terms of, okay, we've got this kid in the fifth round, an absolute bargain bucket. You know, what can we do with him? How can we slightly tailor our offense to make it fit for him? Because he looks like, the, you know, Carson Wentz, to all intents and purposes, is not the future of the Washington Commanders. And I think Sam Howell probably is.
0: Uh, just quickly on the other guys then uh, Willis like you I love that the timeline is so perfect you give him the year and, and he is a guy where I, I, I believe you have to kind of change your roster and franchise to buy into that not yeah. quite to Lamar Jackson levels but not too dissimilar if you want to maximize him but it does give you the year to say either as we turn the roster over towards that which is a trail on Burks in space and all that kind of stuff right or hang on he can do all this boot action stuff that he was never asked to run so no worries there we can just keep running our same old offense and, and here is here is Malik Willis. And then the the riddle one, like you mentioned, that the great thing there is the comparison I used throughout the process was Mariota. There's Marcus Mariota. The, the crossover from one to the other, from one week to the next, you know, whoever's got the hot hand, whenever you think, oh, it's week seven, you know what? Desmond seems ready in practice. They're not going to have to do this thing with Trey Lance, where It's like, well, when Jimmy's in the game, we have this one offense. If he gets injured, we're going to go to the Trey Lance offense. We really want to go to the Trey Lance offense next year, but we're going to have to put the package together now in case we need him. They can just all get together on week one and be like, okay, doesn't really matter who's in the game. You look the same. You guys play the same. Off we go.
1: Yeah, 100%. Kharalsi, you know, another interesting one as well. You know, yeah. third on a good value, goes into an interesting team, an interesting, you know, obviously clearly not sold on Sam Darnold. And again, you look around and you think, okay, there is some talent, you know, whether that's Donta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and McCaffrey, obviously, depending on his health. But you look at the receivers, you know, Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall and DJ Moore, and they obviously brought in Charleston Rambo and Shai Smith is still there. You hope he kicks on after a year. Um and uh, Tommy Tremble, the kid from Notre Dame at tight end, who I really liked coming out. And there is some talent there. And they've obviously shored out the offensive line, obviously, with Ike Ikuanu and um, you know, the guys, that the, the holdovers from there. And I just think that there's, there's interesting players there for somebody like Corral to succeed. Because again, that, that's not Sam Darnold's theme at all. Um, and that I think- one terrifies me though. That That's going to ask you about this because I looked at it and I was like, oh man, they're going
0: to make him play in like week four because the yeah. staff's going to be desperate. Darnold's going to be terrible. Uh, and that guy, I, I way would have preferred him in Tennessee or Atlanta and at least having the, because I think he will need a full year. Yeah, that's whereas the, side, the other it? guys, not.
1: Yeah, that's the flip side when you talk about Sam Howell and Carson Wentz. You probably feel comfortable putting Howell in in week four. But Corral, I just don't think you... Yeah, and there's also... It's not just a physical on-the-field thing. I just think there's a mental maturity thing with Corral that we've been through in terms of, you know, all the issues that he had in high school and all the issues he had in college. You know, the, the Wayne Gretzky son thing. And I, I thought it was very interesting when... Ron Rivera, when um uh david tepper talked about how you know they were kind of they liked the kid but they weren't sure and they got him up on a zoom and they had a long chat with him and thanks boss (laughs) (laughs) talked about you know how okay i think this kid has learned from his mistakes but it does make me nervous when people start talking about people who've had historical issues with off-field problems. All of a sudden, they've learned from their mistakes. very few of them really do learn from their mistakes. So, listen, we'll wait and see. He's in a small market city in terms of um, in terms of Carolina. So I think it'll um, you know, he's going to be out of the spotlight a little bit. But the pressure is going to come pretty quickly if Sam Darnold... you know. You know, it doesn't look great in the first few weeks. I think so
0: too, because he's just not a playbook guy. You know, you hate to say that about some certain players, but every single report, I think Lincoln has said it. He's like, yeah, that's not his bag. Well, it's like, well, he's going to have to be yeah. at the pro level and he's going to have to be if he's playing in week four because Sam Darnold stinks. So yeah. I, I he, that has written all over it. Desperation. We throw the young lad out. We hope he runs around and makes some plays and we all save our jobs. And
1: I just this, that's not a fair situation to put a, a, a raw, a raw right. player into. I think Matt Rule will be the first head coach fired in, in 2023, 2023.
0: After after Matt Corral's first week
1: started. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's like out of the frying pan into the other frying pan. Yeah, From...
0: yeah it's strange that Penn State head coaching gig yeah. probably. At the the, yeah. um, the run-on receivers then, we mentioned it at the top, mad run-on receivers, everyone jockeying for positions to try and get their receiver. Do we trade for a veteran? Do we go and take one of these guys? What was your or at least the most exciting to you, I guess, rather than
1: best receiver to team marriage? Um, I quite like Chris Olave. Uh, I think that was a, I think that's, you just add some sort of, some yin and yang to what the Saints have got in terms of, you know, what his abilities versus what Michael Thomas has. I think Jameson Williams obviously was was fascinating in terms of what Detroit gave up. And we talked about, I talked about the top there. I just felt like Brian Goodenkunst, the GM of the of the Packers, had a big opportunity. You know, all those picks, two first rounders. Um, and to come away with Devontae Wyatt and Key Walker, I just thought, actually, you, you know, You missed a massive opportunity. and I know there was a run on receivers, but you had the ammunition without even hamstringing yourself for next season. You had the ammunition to get out Because nobody knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be here four years, two years, one year? But he's going to be here one year, right? So why don't we just try and fill that? And yes, linebacker was... uh, I mean, the re-signing Devon Campbell kind of... uh, I thought it was interesting that that's that's what they did with regards to Walker why I see makes a little bit more sense in terms of what they like to do. But I just felt like, and even if you weren't going to take a receiver, take a tight end. Do you know what I mean? Add a Trey McBride, add a um a Dulcich. And, th- and they did neither. And I think then not trading on the first day and then trading on the second day to get a kid from from the FBS level as good as, as good as Watson's tape is and as good as he was at the senior bowl. You know, this is a big jump up to ask him to go in and essentially you're just gonna, you know, we want you to be the number one receiver straight away. Or oh, by the way, you come from North Dakota State and you had sixteen drops as a senior and I don't know. I just that, that's an awful lot of pressure on that kid. And I just think that Yes, there was a run on receivers, but I I just thought Green Bay had the ammunition to like I love what Green Bay did on day you know, latterly on day two and day three in terms of Zach Tom and, and Rashid Walker in terms of value picks and those sorts of things. But you're just entering the season and you've you've added Sammy What you've lost Devontae Adams, you've lost uh You've lost Equinemius and Brown, you've lost Marcus valdez scandalling and and what you've added is Sammy Watkins, um, Romeo Dubs, and and Christian, you know, I I don't know, and you've added Christian it's Watson. It's a tough one. I mean, they
0: have to be looking at this, finding new ways that they can do to to shift some money around to maybe get back into the veteran market. I'm not talking about yeah. the Debo level, I'm just talking about any old guy roster cut down day, send the sixth round pick to, to go get one I, I mean you're talking to the wrong guy in terms of the, the, the first round stuff you know Kay walker was you know i was yeah, in love with absolutely. him so to, to, to land him and i and i that those are two guys where i get the packers fans being upset about not having the receiver but then when they're in the playoffs and Kay walker's doing special things on third down devonta White's going to make two big plays yeah. in the playoffs i think they'll be happy with it and then at least they did go get the receiver the thing that's tough about the watson deal is like. i one, I don't think the trade was great value. And secondly, it's like throughout the entire process, the, it was always, no matter when, when you brought Christian Watson, it's like, well, you're with Aaron Rodgers. That's probably what's going to happen. Everyone had Watson to the Packers yeah. expecting the first round. They probably could have just waited in that second round. I, I don't think necessarily he was going to come off the board much quicker than that because, as we said a, a bunch, the whole point is his game is, has so many holes that he would have to go with and Mahomes or Rogers are such a special player that you could at least hide those holes for three, four years. He's just not going to play a ton of snaps. He's
1: going to have like three jobs for a whole season. Exactly. I thought it was really interesting yesterday when uh, Bob McGinn talked about um, the players that they had on the board on, on day two and in terms of receivers. They they liked Burks, but obviously Burks had gone off in the first round and they were down to essentially uh, Alec Pierce of Cincinnati, uh, Christian Watson, and to George Pickens. And obviously as it transpired, they could have stayed where they were and taken Pierce with the with the the pick they traded away to move up to get Watson, um, so I think it's really interesting. I just uh, I, I suppose the flip side of my criticism is that I admire what they're doing because they're not just. I know there is an open window now that's closing, but what they're doing is that they are planning ahead for beyond life after Aaron Rodgers. You know, you, they are shoring up positions that they, you know. That, that they need to fill that they they have issues with um there are big contract situations coming up in green bay in terms of jair alexander having to be paid in terms of uh, you know aj dylan's going to be paid at some point down the road you've got the issue with Bakhtiari, you've got elton jenkins to be paid all those sorts of things so i, I do get the long game but i just you know let, let's operate in a world of short-termism and you know win a super bowl where you can they have to be
0: doing some kind of I don't know, some analysis, some logic where they're like, guys will want to come, receivers will want to come play here to get a payday. Yeah. Guys who will talk to their agents after all this crazy movement dies down heading into preseason will want to get here. The guy who's the second, third guy in his roster, I don't know where they, those guys are off the top of my head right now, but those guys have to be out there who are like, find me a way to get me to that second receiver spot in Green Bay because I yeah. will make oodles of cash from Detroit or someone the following, probably the Bears based on what they've done well, over the last...
1: Really unhappy, years. You know, beyond Debo, I mean, Robbie Anderson's been unhappy. there mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin. I mean, what would you... you probably have to give my first round of McLaurin. I
0: think the money gets too tight for them there yeah. I don't know if they can open up that level of cash maybe with the void years you can do it out but they seem to have done as much as possible in that first day. to keep that roster together in free agency was yeah. wild what the money they had to move so I don't know could you go to Aaron again and with a big smile on your face and say oh. is there another restructure we could do Aaron is that allowed
1: after 60 days I'm not sure yeah, I just um I, I just worry that, you know, when push comes to shove in those big moments, you know, and but maybe it makes him a better quarterback in a way, but maybe it you know, and we go back to that go back to that game against the Rams, you know, where they where they suddenly fell behind, they had the ball with two minutes left and he took the deep shot to Adams in double coverage, and yet he's got Alan Lazard breaking wide open in midfield and just the rel- the reliance. And as great as that connection has been, one of the greatest of all time, the reality is that you know, you throw the ball to Lazard over the middle and he's probably still running now, do you know what I mean? And they're probably in the Super Bowl playing in the Bengals and, and maybe winning a title. Um, yeah, the the I mean,
0: other one there as well is like, were they not in that Devante Parker sweepstakes?
1: Uh, bizarre, wasn't it? Because
0: I, I I don't think Parker's necessarily that great. The injuries are obviously concern, but if, if Belichick's going to take that flyer, why would they not get involved in that? Uh, if they're willing to move picks to move up in the second round, that that, that one was a, was a bit strange. And what's interesting with them too, I, I totally agree in that point of maybe making him more of a holistic player, where it's like everything LaFleur's done has been can you you please play within the scheme a little bit more and I will build the scheme to embrace those kind of second phase traits that you have right that's what they that's the magic they've concocted there and then also whenever you want throw the ball to that guy on the edge because he's better than everyone in the league totally get that but if that is the grand plan of please can you just throw to the open player you're really special when you just throw the ball to the open player maybe that is some part of the approach and it's interesting to our discussion off the very top how the teams and moving on to the team we're going to discuss now the teams who have long been considered the smart teams Pittsburgh New England Baltimore Green Bay they draft and develop they don't overpay they don't wreck it in frenzy they're the ones who are just waving goodbye to the receivers they're saying okay you guys go out the door so That's a fascinating dichotomy when you have the most obvious instance in the league of player empowerment where the guy is like, I want this contract, I'm going to leave, I want these players. And they gave him the contract and the rest, they've just shook their head and said, no, we're running it the same way we've run it for
1: 200 years. Massive onus, I think, on the shoulders of of Amari Rogers, a player I really like coming out of Clemson who just has really struggled You know, third-round pick. I just thought he was a perfect fit in terms of what he offered and, and has had two really very average seasons I think you know if you can get if you can get anything out of Amari Rogers and throw that into the mix of you know Lazard and the Watson and the Dubs and the Randall Cobb and whatever else you got Malik Taylor and those guys then okay maybe things do look a little bit brighter but at the moment you just think it was, just feels like a bit of a missed opportunity
0: let's talk about the Ravens then I, I- cannot believe they keep getting away with this. I don't know what is happening, what shaman voodoo thing they've got going on there. To come away with Kyle Hamilton and Ty Linderbaum in the first round is bonkers. But then to stack it with Ajabo, Jones, Falale, and Armadavis, Davis, which you could, if you went into some draft boards right now, you know, at Dallas for some reason decided to share theirs in a press conference, <laughs> a wild move from Jerry Jones just oh, to show us yeah. his, oh, his draft board. There will be people who will have had those guys in probably their top six of that position. I know people who love Armour Davis. They yeah, think he's really him. special compared to some of the more athlete-based corners in the game. Falale, obviously no one else in the history of the game has that build. So someone would have loved that. They obviously fit that more with Orlando Brown and that history there. Travis Jones, uh, we, how much we talked about then with Jordan Davis of, well, you know, he's the first down plug and then all the zone pressures they like to run. Well, he's the budget Jordan Davis, who might turn out with that first yeah. step pop to be better well, than Jordan Davis.
1: It's just preposterous. Yeah. I know. And, you know, you've mentioned there, you know, Hamilton, Linda Barma, Ajamo, Jones, Falelo, Jalen Davis, right? <laughs> of which is already like three home runs. But then you throw in Charlie Kohler of Iowa State, you know, ridiculously productive tight end. <laughs> you know, then you throw in Isaiah Likely, who's just going to get different in terms of, you know, you go into a season with Kolar, Isaiah Likely, oh, and also we got Mark Andrews. And then, you know, you get a six round bonus ball of Tyler Beatty, you know, a guy that you can just throw the ball out to, out of the backfield to just get mismatches with safeties on linebackers, those sorts of things. I mean, it's, it's a- insane.
0: A- it is insane. The likely one that is so special because the only place he could play in the NFL or the only two probably if he's going to play the same style based on what we saw at Coastal Carolina, who for listeners who don't stay up on Friday nights like me watching Coastal Carolina tape they run the wonkiest offense in all of college football it's a two-back spread option system that is all kinds of fun it's every scheme nerd's dream place right now and likely plays in the backfield as kind of like this move blocker who then gets the ball on the perimeter as kind of a runner but they throw him the ball it's really strange he's not really a tight end no, no. so when you think about that it's like well he can only do the use check or a thing if he's at his best you know that that would be the situation well then the ravens go and get him it's the only place he can play in the league over than maybe san francisco unless someone embraces that style completely. And they got him. Yeah. I, I, how, how is this allowed? This All is right. the commissioner should go up to the podium and say, No, it's not allowed. They cannot have Linda bomb and Hamilton. No.
1: But you just look at you know, you look at a guy like cola you know, Campbell Award winner for the top scholar athlete in college football, absolute blue-collar, sneaky athletic, excellent skill set. You know, he's not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the most athlete. He's just consistent, he's versatile. You can line him up in line, you can flex him out. I just think he's a really good player. And, he, you know, in terms of the Valley, fourth round, off the back of Jones, Ajabo, Linderbaum, Hamilton, Armour Davis, everybody else is just, it's its frankly sickening. It and, so did, did they take Stout was the first punter?
0: Am I re- remembering that correctly? Did he go first or second? It was, they went back to back, didn't they? There was a yeah. run on punters, a magical run on punters at the start of
1: day three. He was the first guy to go. So um, they
0: even took their favourite punter. They said, "Bleep it, let's take him first. We'll get Batty later on.
1: Just... Not fair. Not just, fair. Just crazy. um
0: The other thing they did, obviously, they traded away Hollywood Brown, which has yeah. kicked off this thing of, you know, Lamar Jackson still has not signed his contract. Lamar Jackson, I'm sure listeners are aware, is representing himself, does not have an agent. Lamar Jackson is now walking into a world where, I mean, they started these negotiations two and a half years ago. They've never been close on price. I think it's 45 million a year he was looking for, which is a lot of money. And it's a play style where you say to yourself, you know, I love Lamar. I think he can play from the pocket comfortably. I'm not one of those weirdos who thinks he he can't play from the pocket. But the legs is a major asset. You know, how much do you want to pay? How much do you want to guarantee? He probably now, having watched Deshaun Watson, is like, I want the whole thing guaranteed. Thank you very much. I'm as good as Deshaun Watson. I'm better than Deshaun Watson. I'm a league MVP. They haven't figured that out. They trade his best friend (laughs) for a first round pick, which was great value. We'll get into the Cardinals in a little bit. But, Hollywood Brown, I don't think, has been very good in the NFL. Everyone loves the electric speed, but for a first round pick, happy days, and you get Hamilton and Lindebaum as a team, as we just discussed, their team building could not be more impeccable, and yet they may have pissed off. This is the modern world of sports, right? They may have pissed off the most valuable
1: guy in the building. I've had one of the greatest drafts of all time, yet absolutely alienated. league mvp if mean, it is i find the jackson situation absolutely fascinating and if i'm lamar jackson part of me has got to be sitting there thinking you know what maybe I just ride out this year because i know that in a year's time it, you know when i be, if i become a free agent then people someone's going to pay me that money and you look around at situations around the league at quarterbacks who maybe just you know whether that's carolina whether that's the miami look at miami miami's the big one miami could be huge you know, there's got to be a part of lamar jackson who's sitting there thinking you know what if Tua doesn't work out would I want to go and work in that offensive with Daniel and all those weapons? I mean, hell yes, I would. Commute you know? from home, you know? Uh, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Around my family, all that sort of thing. I mean, that to me is
0: the, and, and I think that the, the, the WTF tweet was about hey me and Hollywood hadn't had a package idea we had we were both going back to Miami next year yeah. <laughs> you just,
1: just yeah. screwed the package well, over I just look at the Miami roster they've got a couple of Hollywoods who are actually better than Hollywood like <laughs> you know, and Hill and it's like okay this could be quite interesting and what I do best you know in terms of if I'm not moving around I throw those sort of middle of the field tight ends and you look oh there's a guy like Mike Kosicki who can go up and get a you know and they've got a number of tight ends there who can whether that's a Hunter Long or a you know those guys. In, uh, you know, Durham Smythe and and um, uh, Shaheen, big guys who can just make catches. So you're not, you know, you're not asking him to necessarily sit and throw the ball sixty times in the pocket down the field and all these different concepts that perhaps don't work to his favor. That you'd necessarily work with a, with an Aaron Rodgers. But in terms of what he does best, that could be. I mean, that feels like handling glove. In it terms, it is of- the yeah.
0: perfect spot. It, I guess Baltimore fans will be listening, going, "Hang on a second, can't they tag him and all that?" I just think in the modern game, it's like it, it's it's less. With that one position, and if you're good, and he's a league MVP, it's less of a management, you know, an employer-employee situation. Now, I think it really is a partnership, which is hence the the blindsiding that he did not appreciate on the Hollywood Brown trade, which is confusing because Hollywood Brown was at the Cardinals draft party, which you know, private jet's are fast, but it's not quick enough to do yeah. it in a ten minute clock. Yeah. So if he's his best friend, would he not have given him a heads up that he was no. in Arizona for a
1: reason? I'm uh, I'm leaving. Like. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah that one was peculiar it never, it never it never struck me as a fit anyway I just didn't think it was a, it felt like a very odd selection at the time because it's stylistically, stylist at least schematically it just didn't necessarily fit what they wanted to do and it felt like I don't know I just um it was an intriguing one that I I, I don't think as and maybe if he had been Jalen Waddle in terms of his ability to to just be a really good player then maybe we'd have felt differently about it but Perhaps his just really average to mediocre skill set in terms of what he's delivered has just has just been a factor in us sort of thinking it uh, thinking that it wasn't a particularly good pick when maybe it would have worked if it was the right player. If that makes sense?
0: Yeah, and if, if his nickname was like Broward County, we, we, people <laughs> probably wouldn't be trading first round picks for him. If Gus Johnson didn't scream his name in the most yeah. fun way imaginable, he probably would have gone for a third round pick. This yeah, is in good. your head. You, all you can hear is. I'm away at Oklahoma, Hollywood. That's, that's what I yeah, still think name, of.
1: If his name was Tony or Gary or somebody, <laughs> nobody give a toss. Uh, Lamar,
0: just lastly on that, in terms of him playing out this year, which I think he's going to try and do, unless they put the perfect offer in front of him, because he can still force a trade the next offseason. You know, it's the perfect guaranteed four years, whatever. And, and the the discussion from him and the agent world has been well, his plan is he wants to get back into free agency age 29, 30. So he only wants to do a three, four year contract because he understands. His skill set and getting that final payday with that skill set, which I think kind of blurs the timeline for the the Ravens a little bit, and that's something that they're a bit iffy on—is they want to do guarantee the three years but have the the five-year deal done similar to Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah. the, the question there would be, well, what if he gets injured? And I I appreciate that with his place down the NFL is different. But man, I watched Kevin Durant tear his Achilles in the NBA Finals, and he got handed like the biggest contract in the history of the sport. You know, I think teams now are like, well. Uh, Lamar Jackson's, if he did get injured, it worth the shot more than rolling with, with a rookie or, you know, if Tua has a bad year or whatever.
1: Yeah, I just, um, it's such an interesting situation that players are gambling on themselves in a way, do you know what I mean? A gambling that we won't get hurt, that, that it will be okay and that we can, but, and the league just generally seems to have moved to just player power. You know, when you look at Debo Samuel, who probably will will work his way out of San Francisco, but you go back to Tyreek Hill and and all these guys who probably were told, these receivers especially, that we're probably told that we're not going to get paid the money that we want to. So we'll just, you know, let's get out there. And, and also, I suppose, hats off to GMs as well in terms of flexibility of of being flexible and maybe not coveting draft picks in the way that they have done in, in, in years past. And if you're, you know, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, if you are in that front office, if you're Eric DeCosta, you, you will be looking at, you know, do we pay £250 million for Lamar Jackson or do we take, you know, two ones or three ones, a two and a three off the Miami Dolphins or the New York Giants next year, knowing that, that draft is potentially absolutely rammed full of a uh, first-round quarterbacks in terms of a Van Dyke and in terms of a, a Levis and a Stroud and a and a Young and all these guys. And you think, well, actually, I, there's there's absolute upside to 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 rolling with with that plan, taking the picks, taking your, your young quarterback, and and saving yourself two hundred fifty million pounds into the bargain, or dollars into the bargain.
0: The last thing on the Ravens I wanted to get into, we won't touch on Kyle Hamilton just for time, though. I will say nothing makes me tingly, tinglier as a scheme nerd than Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton in the same defensive backfield. Oof, it's very exciting for me. Um, the Linderbaum one, we, we spoke the whole time, right? He's this outside zone, kick, step, and go guy. And then the Ravens draft him, and as much as it's like, oh, my God, they took Kyle Linderbaum, might be the 10th best player in the class, might be the 5th best player in the class, and they they got him in the first round. That's crazy, There is a little bit of me that's like, oh, that's not exactly what I would have wanted for him. Now, they run such a unique system. Maybe it doesn't matter. And, you know, they blend gap and zone principles in a way that no one else in the game does because they steal a gap with Lamar's uh, running ability and they commit to it so heavily. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe Greg Roman says, well, the reason we're taking him is because I'm not going to run that some of the power stuff we ran before. And maybe he gets better at it than he was in college and maybe he's just he's, he's fine with the weight issue
1: are you in any way squirrely about that i mean the concern for me was always that despite those kind of plus traits that he had of which there are many you know he he said that he played in the mid 280s last year which would give him a 45 50 pound disadvantage against someone like limbaugh or joseph or whatever um but do you know what i mean i mean that's... yeah
0: and if you're holding the point as someone wraps around you that's that's not gonna work well now maybe what? you can kick him out but it's harder to kick the center so you blame a it, guard? it's it's tough
1: But then you go back and look at their backs in terms of what they're able to do and the speed that they have. And, you know, I know there's a lot about 40 guys coming back off ACL tears after that, you know, ridiculous three day period they had last year. But, you know, there's speed there for them to run more, you know, just to to subtly move to more of those zone concepts in terms of just doing what, you know, because I think they drafted one of the best centers to come out in Eight ten years, and I think since Frederick, I think yeah, uh, and whilst you wouldn't want to build, you'd you'd never say let's build our team around a center. But actually, if your center can do what he can do, why wouldn't you start to move slightly towards some of those concepts? And especially when you you look at some of the talent they've got—a running back who that you know—they're not just power guys. These are guys that can get to the edge. You can, you know, one cut and go guys on the perimeter. So I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how they they transform. I think it'll be subtle transformation of of that. That offense,
0: the thing that's wo- always been tough for them is because their run scheme was so unique. The, you know, we're into year three now. If we're going to diversify our passing game every year, they come out, you know, we draft a new receiver. Don't worry, the passing game will change, it'll get better. That you know we'll remove that New England pick and rub stuff. Because the box is so loaded with what they do, it's very hard to not have one receiver on one side of the field, one receiver on the other. You can't have motion then because we're too stacked on one side of the field, can't deploy too many resources to one way and it becomes very static and stagnant. Well, maybe if they move more to this way, they can open up. They can stick an extra piece out. I think that it will have knock-on consequences if they decide to be more judicious with how they run Lamar. And maybe yeah. if you're paying someone forty-five million a year guaranteed, you're like, look, let's maybe save that for for high-leverage situations in the postseason. Uh, but no, maybe it robs him his value. It, it will be fascinating to see. You know, it's one of those things, right, where you take the unbelievable value of the draft and have to yeah. look at each other and go, well, how do we actually
1: make all this? But look at, like, look at the guy. I'm just looking at the roster now. You, like, look at their top four backs. I mean, Gus Edwards ran a 452 and, you know, Gus the bus, 238 pounds. But then you look at, you know, Beatty, Dobbins, and just, Justice Hill ran a 439. Do you know what I mean? In terms of his ability just to get to the edge at five 5'10", 200, 200 pounds. And, you know, Dobbins, is, he didn't run a 40, but Dobbins isn't slow. Do you know what I mean? And Beatty's just like lightning in a bottle in terms of he ran a 444. So at 5'8", 197. So I just think... I think it will be fascinating to watch what they do and how they and how they just slightly try and change that a little bit.
0: And that leads us to a team who I don't think is running things particularly well. Though they took a bunch of players I do like. I will yeah. say that if you just showed me this, like you know, blank, I'd be like, I like that a lot. Then you show me the team, and I go, What's happening? What's the plan here? Yeah. It's the Cardinals who trade for Hollywood Brown, we mentioned there. They get the DeAndre Hopkins suspension, what, 40 hours later, something like that, for the PED use, which an all time hilarious yeah. classic. I don't know. They must just, the agencies now have that on, you know, ready to go on Let Ed, like, ah, oh, tainted supplement. We don't know what happened. He's shocked. Um, so they must have known they will have known that suspension was coming down those things happen over weeks when they did the Hollywood Brown trade which makes it make some more sense but my issue with them throughout the whole offseason has been they're running the same offense over and over again and maybe the Trey McBride pick suggests a bit more a bit more variance a bit more 12 personnel 13 personnel bigger sets more tight end based stuff Hollywood Brown doesn't really suggest that I, I just that that seemed like a trade to to tell their angsty as we always call them, the angsty teenager in the bedroom Kyler Murray to say can you please put your stuff back on Instagram look we got you a, a receiver who's yeah. quite well known it was not value it's a serious overpay and I don't know why they went so offense heavy when I like Cam Thomas I like my Jai Sanders yeah. I would not be relying on them to say bring me Chandler Jones type production in year one when yeah. when this team is on a playoff or both. Bus path because just because of the Kyle situation.
1: I mean, I loved I loved what they did from the I mean, I love what they did generally, and I, I completely agree with your point. And I love what they did from the sixth round onwards in terms of you look at Keontae Ingram, you look at to Smith, who I absolutely loved out of Virginia Tech, you look at Jesse Lecater, who I thought was really impressive at the senior role, can play on the edge, can play middle linebacker. Marquise Hayes is great value in terms of you know, it's the 29th pick of the seventh round, you know, for, the, for that kid out of Oklahoma. But I, I mean, I feel the same way about Cliff Kingsbury that you feel about um Kenny Pickett. I mean, I find his rise and his position in the NFL to be somewhat astonishing, given how bad of a head coach I think he is and how bad... embarrassingly bad that offense can look at times in terms of just scheme and in terms of, you know, that playoff game against the Rams was just the absolute cherry on top of the terrible uh, Cliff Kingsbury pie. And he can sit for all he likes in his no socks and shoes and, um, you know, looking funky in his in his lounge but he can't coach a jot. And I think it's really coming. I, I think he will be battling um, because I I, I also think that just the way that carlo Murray situation has been handled. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not removing Steve Kahn from any of the blame either. But I just think that I just don't get Kingsbury. And I think he's a bit of a uh, I think carlo Murray probably looks at him and thinks, I just don't really get this. Yes, we have a relationship. Yes, you recruited me when I was in high school, but actually this isn't working and it's not working. I mean it's not he's not stupid. You know, he, he I, I think we can I think he's genuinely in the cult of Cliff. I think they have the same
0: agent. I would not be surprised if it was a package situation where where I think so, I mean maybe maybe I have a different read than me. I don't know anyone in the Cardinals camp. No, I don't all. either. So I, don't. I only have the outside perspective. I know they've got the same agent. And I know that, that agent work only works with a certain group of people and they're all type. So that would suggest to me, and he got the new contract right, which is makes no sense. Steve Time yeah. getting a new contract makes no sense. Yeah. So I I don't know if it's just like an organizational thing. They really want to be a, you know, a, a long-term building team. If they were just trying to indicate to Kyla, this is going to be the situation moving forward, everything there is happening because of Kyla Murray. Has to be. That's it's the only plausible explanation that they're they're worried that he would he would
1: ask to leave Uh, and i think that's reflective in what they did on draft day in terms of overpaying for brown bringing him at bride you know i just that that to me just it it smacks of you know kyla kyla look what we're doing for you look what we're doing for you. it's um you know wouldn't spike
0: and there is the case to be made that steve camp says look we have to change this offense a little bit they run as you said high school sets regularly right and and that's fine from a big picture perspective of we're going to do athletes in space, spread option football, get that. At the NFL level, you have to change week to week. You have to be able to change within the game. He's one of the worst sequences to have ever called an NFL game. It's just that's why they're bad in the second half of the season. It's why they're bad in the second half of games, because he does not adapt. We run what we run, and we hope we can out-athlete you in the NFL where everyone's an amazing athlete. It's why they are chasing Hollywood Brown, because they're like, well, we throw the ball to the perimeter on a bubble and hope our guy beats someone in space. We best go get Hollywood Brown, because that's the only... Fraction of a percentage point, we can raise the athlete
1: level. And people are like saying, Oh, are they injured or are they starting to slow down or are they tired? It's no, everybody's just looking at their tape and thinking, I'm seeing exactly the same thing down after down, drive after drive, possession after possession, game after game. And it's really easy to read.
0: I just can't believe they used a first round pick on a receiver not on their own roster. Yeah, that they didn't go and take an edge rusher or uh, an interior lineman. Uh, and, you know, maybe Kyler wants to throw the ball to fun players. Maybe him and Hollywood have a relationship. I have no idea. But I, if I'm him, I'd rather get protected. He gets hit an awful lot. He's always yeah. injured or at least um, knocked up. In the, knocked up. Jesus, He's always, always uh, got some wear and tear in the second half of the season, which I think contributes to, to the stiltedness of the offense because they can't run him as much in the second half of the season because he's always wearing a brace and, you know, nine different contraptions to get him through games. So... I don't The Hayes one, I'll give them some credit on that one. I, I like that. I think we discussed him on the last show before the, the 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 draft where because of what they run at Oklahoma is so specific for those interior guys, half the league is just like, no chance. Can't be arsed with that. Not taking those players. And the only one where that makes sense is Arizona. So for them to steal him in the seventh, they probably were like, we could take him in the fourth. Let's just wait. <laughs> we'll just slide back in the seventh. So an odd one. Like you said, I, I like the class. Don't like the class with that roster.
1: But would you like, you know, surely sitting there, we're trading for a really underachieving slash mediocre wide receiver but he's mates with your with your quarterback or you know do you replace um Hassan Reddick and Charlotte Jones with a falling Jermaine Johnson who both Albert Breer and Peter King said that the only reason he really fell was because he wasn't overly impressive in his interviews in terms of just you know conveying you know you watch someone like Kaya Elam and how great he was in his interviews your guy Elam and and how great he was or, or someone like Trent McDuffie and actually you know Johnson was probably middle of the road which seems to have sort of been part of his of his fall but you just think if you're Arizona would you not just sit there and and take Johnson off the board knowing that's a massive hole rather than overpaying for a mediocre receiver I mean, it makes no sense to me. I would
0: rather have had Abikiti if he's there. If, you know, yeah. if Johnson mm-hmm. had not fallen that, I'd have said, sure, let's just go take the best power rusher available in the draft. And yeah. we'll figure... I mean, with that offense, you could have taken receivers in in the fourth, fifth round. You could have taken a Shakir and said, well, if we're just throwing them the ball in space, what difference does it make? Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, I'll draft a Danny Gray, who can run a yeah. 4.29, 4.30, because he's as fast as Hollywood Brown. and Thornton, you know. the Baylor yeah. lad. You're yeah. going to take him before the Pats.
0: strange. Yeah. Very strange. Old. I'll say on Elon, by the way, can I pat myself on the back for that one with Buffalo? I oh. I, uh, I had really good knowledge about that meeting. That's how um, I knew. That's why I was making that prediction before the draft. I knew that that was going down. So,
1: I, I love say... that clip. Did you see the clip when he got out his little notebook? Of yeah. Really, yeah. Interesting. yeah. Really, really informative.
0: Um, yeah, that's going to be a great fit. Um, do you want to do? We, we can do one of two, side I'll let you take your pick okay. here before we have to go. Do you want to do something about the New York teams or do you want to do the most baffling picks and moments? <sighs>
1: Why don't we go? Baffling picks and moments. Okay, should we discuss the Nicobe Dean of it all? Yeah, let's do it.
0: Because that that was a big one coming out of it of why is Nicobe Dean sliding. And anyone who listened to us through this, these what feels like an exhaustive amount of episodes. I think we ended up doing six hours total or something covering the draft in the run-up to the thing in an excruciating deal, some would suggest. I was banging on this thing about the linebackers, right? And I understand he's got the pec injury, he's got to have the surgery, but David Ajabo tore his Achilles. Yeah. And he's a get off and go athlete. And no one knows what he'll look like when his Achilles is repaired and he was still taking the second round. So I I think so much of this, as as I was saying through the process, is that linebacker fit is now so essential. It's why K-Walk goes 20th overall and Dean goes in the third round because you have to be drafting linebackers such specific requirements with how the league is fitting the run-up now that one guy was always going to be a complete stunner, either like Muma going in the first round or a guy completely dropping out. And what's odd is I thought Dean better fit the mold everyone was running to. He fits that that Staley Fanjo style of defense. They're all they're all shifting to,
1: and yet he's the guy who fell. Is it just injuries? You think? I mean. I can't think of anything else that it can be. I mean, I I love the quote from Harry Roseman, where he said that he went to, um he every time they went to Georgia on scouting trips, he asked every player, offense, defense, special teams, who is the best player on your team? And he said to a single man, he never got another answer other than Nakobe Dean out of all these different players. Like he said, he spoke to 10, 12 different players. And I, I think that's ultimately so telling. And when you look at, you know, we talked about it pre-draft, you look at Everybody said, Oh, you know, Jeremiah Awusi Koromo is going to fall because he's small, he's slight. Is, is he a safety? Is he uh, what's he going to do? He's 224 pounds, 229 pounds, or whatever. And we'll never make that mistake again after he turns up for Cleveland. has a great year. And then you have a guy like Nakobi Dean, you know, instincts for days, you know, absolutely, you know, a great leader. You look at what he was doing in the in the SEC Championship game or in the in the National Championship semi-final, screaming at guys who were lined up incorrectly and, you know, admonishing them for lining up incorrectly. And then when they did line up correctly and made a big play, he's, you know, he's the first to celebrate with them. I, I just absolutely love that. The leadership's off the charts. Every You know, everybody that I spoke to that had him on an interview, either a, a 30 visit. Or at the com line just said, you know, he was absolutely fantastic in the room, straight business, intense. Um, I just I I, I don't understand. That was an absolute head scratcher. And to see him continue to fall felt like there were a point where I was just thinking, like, there must be something so bad with the medical, Carson Strong like with the medical. Yeah where he's just going to fall and fall and, you know, somebody's going to pick I, him in the fifth, sixth round. It'd just be so ridiculous.
0: It reached a point with me where I was thinking, is this some kind of Lyle Collins thing where news is going to break? There's a really bad story we're not aware of that is happening right now and teams are gathering information. And yet all we got was, oh yeah, he might have to have pec surgery. Yeah. So what? Is that it? It, it can't. And, and even... Me, who's been banging on about, oh, you know, then please move into the pterodactyls and the, you know, it's zone coverage now. So you got to get in passing lanes and you want someone who can slide down to the edge and can also play off the line. And his skill set doesn't really fit that because of the, the, obviously the arm length issues. I mean, first of all, he blew shit up anyway, <laughs> Georgia. Now, maybe you think that doesn't translate to the NFL. You can't just run through, you know, can't rock your way through someone. Uh, with your shoulder without armlets in the nfl i mean I, i'd like to at least give it a try if i was if yeah. i was drafting a team Absolutely. and the thing that's really exciting for him at least and it, it's a shame because it, that peck and jeweler cost him a, a ton of money which is unfortunate but at least he got to a spot now where the jordan davis thing goes way beyond being former teammates but if you're the Eagles and you're drafting Jordan Davis and they ran the most bland vanilla defense in the league last year, now yeah. they really have to change the outlook of that to to make Jordan Davis work. And if they took him that high in the draft, you would imagine they would do that. And by adding the Kobe D, now you are all in. And we are a zone pressure outfit. We're running as much of the Georgia stuff as possible. We do Vic Fangio stuff on first down. We run all the Georgia stuff on third down. Wipe your hands and let's get going. So hopefully that that two-man tandem works well if the Eagles are willing to evolve.
1: Yeah, I think um, I just think they got great value there. It's a really good pick, really good player who, in five years' time, we're going to turn around and go, "How did he fall to the third round?" Any other baffling picks, moments for you? Uh, I suppose the Cole Strange one I thought was w- w- was interesting. You know, I thought he was excellent at the senior bowl. You know, he throw on that Kentucky tape, first game of last season. I thought he played really well. It just felt like, a, you know, and people talked about Logan Mankins and that was the first name that came to my head in terms of, you know, is that real value? I just thought what the Patriots did generally was really strange, you know, in terms of taking a Pierre Strong and then coming back with Kevin White and uh, uh, just, you know, Tycon Thornton, good player, but I just wasn't necessarily sold on the value there. Um, but the Cole Strange pick, I think to Bailey Zappi, we talked about. And so got Matt Jones. That that was felt like a wasted pick. Um, and
0: then and- they signed Derek King. Why would you not just have yeah. Derek King, Brian Hoyer, and have that be the quarterback room?
1: I- it just feels so, just feels so odd. I, I don't really know what they're doing. I, you know, I don't think Bill's drafting has been amazing. I think actually last year. You know, probably bailed him out of because I think you know, and and why wouldn't it? But all the Super Bowls have sort of rather glossed over the fact that he's not a very good drafter. Um, certainly not in the in the last few seasons. Certainly
0: um, not on the offensive side. The ball, not. a particular uh, well, skill positions. Then obviously looked into a certain quarterback. I, this all the time happens with him with his drafting. I do think once you start actually going through the defensive record, it isn't that bad. You know, if you take Wilfork, Hightower, and McCourty at any point in your career. Sure. It's pretty good. That's <laughs> a pretty sure. good spine of any defense.
1: Sure. And yeah. I think last year, when you you know, especially with you hit with Christian Barmore, and obviously was with, uh, with Ramondre Stevens and uh, Stevenson, and but actually, you know, you go back and you look at you know Anthony Jennings and Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keane. They're and some brutal they, ones. Uh, they obviously hit with Onwenu was a really good was a really good pick. Carl Duggar, obviously, a real good pick. But you know, you go back and you kill Harry, Juan Williams, Chase Winovich. Obviously, you know. Damian Harris has, has been a has been a good player. Yodny Caduce, I mean, it's, you go you just go through and it's just like it's miss after miss after miss. You know Isaiah Win, Sony Michelle was off the team in a couple of years. Duke Dawson was off the team. You know you Christian Sam, Derek Rivers, Anthony Antonio Garcia. Dietrich Wise has been a, a good player. You go back to twenty sixteen with Cyrus Jones. Obviously they hit the home run with Joe Tooney, but yeah, you know, And me. it's
0: that that same thing, right, of, well, Bill, Bill has his own board. Bill doesn't care about anyone else's board. He's going to draft what he drafts. He does not care what you think of your value. And it's that, that same Mayock thing that the Raiders did for three, four years, whatever it was, where it's like, yeah, it, that is fun when it hits, you know? When you yeah. take Duggar three rounds before anyone else and didn't realize Duggar existed, and you took yeah. him and what, they take him the second, third round, and he's really good for you. When you take Cleland Farrell fourth overall, or, or it doesn't work out with the... 29 names you just listed that have all been not just misses, but like he doesn't even roster them half the time, or they're not active on Sundays because it's
1: that bad. But what what I think's really interesting is that he's managed to get away with taking Osiris Jones in the second round, and Vincent Valentine in the third round, you know, because he also got Joe Tooney in that draft. He also got <laughs> a Robert. <Landon> Roberts. <laughs> Got Ted Karras, you know, both the, the latter two six-rounders. It's like, you go back to 2015, you know, he gets away with the fact that he took Malcolm Brown in the first round, Jordan Richards in the second round, and Janeo Grissom in the third round, because in the fourth round, he took Trey Flowers and uh, and, and Shaq Mason and, and Joe Cardona in the fifth round. You know, he sort of has just been getting uh, getting away with it. You know, you take Dominic Easley in the first round in 2014, but then you come back with a James White, who catches the game winner in overtime in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round. So it's you know, it's been, and I don't know how much, you know, it's great that you can hit on a Charlton Jones, you know, and a Dante Hightower or a Nate Solder or a Devin McCourty and a Rob Gronkowski. But, you know, you go back to that draft. And look, I know that you hit on those two players. One's an absolute Hall of Fame lock and the other probably a Hall of Famer as well. But, you know, the rest of that draft is Jermaine Cunningham, Brandon Spikes, Taylor Price, a serial killer and Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> and, you know, Zoltan Mesko, Thomas Welsh, Brandon Diedrich. And Zach Robinson, you know, so you're kind of getting away with it because you hit a couple of absolute home runs, but the rest of it is an absolute... Well, yeah.
0: When you have the greatest quarterback of all time, it covers up all of the issues until that guy leaves and everyone starts looking around and he's like, shit, i got to spend $200 million
1: in free agency. Actually, it looks like it was Tom and not Bill after all. Uh,
0: The pair of them. Come on now. The pair of them together. I will say, how long until Derek King becomes the next Julian Edelman? I know you'll have watched him over there in Miami. They call him a quarterback. He'll He'll be playing in the slot for them in 2033. Catching yeah.
1: game-winning, yeah, we were catching Ball winning passes, and yeah, people be talking about his Hall of Fame career after switching from receiver, after switching from quarterback. And,
0: yeah, mad. And then no one will remember the name Cole I would love to have be been the UT Chattanooga SID uh, that the night of that draft because I think I had two clips. Uh, like clip sheets in the the film file I have access to. I didn't even have the full games. It was a cut-up someone had put in there. So I even I emailed, like, hey, shit, I need some Call Strange film, man.
1: <laughs> I love the uh, Les Snead, Sean McVay. Oh, how there. drunk were those guys? That was absolutely sensational. I mean, I think if they're watching that back the next morning with their hangovers, they've been looking at that thinking, <laughs> did we really do that? It wasn't very special, but it's very funny.
0: I know. I was worried they'd be so hungover. They'd still try and draft Cole Strange. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, then. That'll
0: do it for this edition of the Gridiron Show. If you have any questions, I think next week we should try and hit on some, uh, you know, we'll wrap up some extra drafts of some off-season. So if you have any questions, email oliver.conley at platformmedia.uk. You can tweet me. You can tweet Sai. Those will be in in the description to the podcast, too. Sai, thanks for doing this.
1: No worries, buddy. See you soon.